there's no company that's got this worked out. And this is, this is an issue that I've written on quite a bit. This is a, not only a universal problem, but using machine learning, deep learning to actually power intelligence, any kind of intelligence that can operate in generalizable domains is, it's just fantasy right now. I'm Jim Park, and this is an HDT Talks Trucking Special Report on Autonomous Trucks. That was Mary Cummings. She's a professor at Duke University's Pratt School of Engineering and the director of Duke's Human and Autonomy Laboratory. She was a naval officer and a military pilot from 1988 to 1999, and she was one of the U.S. Navy's first female fighter pilots. Her current research interests include explainable artificial intelligence, human autonomous systems collaboration, and the ethical and societal impact of technology. On this episode, Mary, who also goes by her former Navy pilot callsign Missy, shares her concerns about how fast autonomous trucks appear to be approaching commercialization. She says she's 100% behind robotic trucks in the long term, but she warns that significant work remains to develop safe, robust, and reliable perception systems. We've included some links to Missy's homepage as well as some of the work she's done in this field. They're in the podcast description. My conversation with Professor Mary Cummings is coming up right after this. Bobbitt Business Media's Fleet Forward Conference is going virtual this year. Because of the travel restrictions and budget cuts brought on by the pandemic, we're bringing Fleet Forward to you. Join us for Fleet Forward 2020 virtually November 9th through the 13th at fleetforwardconference.com. Hi, Missy. It's great to have you on HDT Talks Trucking. Uh, I first saw you on an interview you did with CNBC. It was following the crash of that driverless Uber car in Tempe, Arizona, that claimed the life of Elaine Hertzberg. In that interview, you expressed some concerns about the vision and perception systems of autonomous vehicles. Could you elaborate on those concerns for our listeners? Well, it's no secret in the autonomous vehicle world that perception systems of autonomous cars They're the big problem. I call those the long pole in the tent. The perception systems work pretty well under normal conditions, you know, what you would expect in your everyday driving. But under some abnormal conditions and under some conditions that you would think is normal, but would be normal, but are they would be abnormal to a car. So, for example, one issue is right after it rains, um, if you get a rainstorm that it really dumps a lot of water in a short period of time, and the sun comes out almost immediately after. It'll make a sheen on the road, and we've all seen that, especially here mm-hmm. in the south, and see it every day. Uh, but that sheen can actually cause lidar to have a lot of problems, as well as any just um, uh, just a little bit of moisture in the air, not even a lot of moisture from rain. And so, if the sensors themselves are so Brittle, that's what we call, um, the sensors are brittle, meaning that they can't operate well under all conditions. Um, moreover, though, uh, the algorithms that, that power the, the information that comes from that, they are extremely brittle. So we've seen this over and over again, and the best illustration is the um, pedestrian death in Tempe, Arizona, where the machine learning that was powering the object recognition system, it just couldn't decide what it was seeing. 
Was it seeing something? Was it seeing nothing? Was it seeing a bike? Was it seeing a person? In the end, it decided it, it couldn't figure it out and it was nothing. And then it turned out to be a person. So these kinds of perception system problems, we've known about them for a long time in academia. And I would say for the most, for a lot of academics, that's why we feel that the systems aren't really that mature in operation because if you can't fix some of the basic problems, then it's going to be really hard to, to fix the more advanced problems. And would those problems be universal or would uh, one or two of the a, a, uh, autonomous vehicle companies have worked them out at this point and others haven't? Is it fair to lock oh, everybody universal. in the same basket? I, you know, yeah, they're universal. Okay. All the companies. There's no company that's got this worked out. And this is, this is an issue that I've written on quite a bit. This is a not only a universal problem, but using machine learning, deep learning to actually power intelligence of any kind of intelligence that can operate in generalizable domains is, it's just fantasy right now. And it's especially fantasy in the driving situation. There are just so many situations, uh, millions and millions and millions of situations with slightly different presentations to a car that could confuse the car. So one of the one of the, another good example of the brittleness and the decision making problems of the car is the fact that a stop sign with a half inch of snow on it does not look the same to a to a autonomous vehicle as just a regular stop sign. It's very confused by that. And a stop sign with three quarters of an inch of snow is totally different than a stop sign at a half inch of snow and a stop sign with nothing. And so if just slight variations in the environment can cause the computer systems, the vision systems to fail, you have to ask yourself, well, you know, we're, we're still very far from being able to uh, encapsulate all the knowledge that we need for these cars to function in these unstructured environments. I have long called for the companies to collaborate because I think the problem is still so big and so vast that each individual company cannot solve this problem on their own, but if they work together, they can make a lot more progress. The way it's been explained to me, I'm nowhere near in the same level that you are or the people that I speak to, so I have to take what they say with a bit of a grain of salt. Uh, but if you've got precision mapping uh, working on your side so that the system knows at this juncture there's a stop sign, will the system stop automatically, or does it wait to stop until it sees the stop sign? Well, it, it has an expectation. So the map just sets the expectation. So it expects to see a sign and it will look for a sign and it will look for confirmation that that sign is there. So these things work in tandem. Uh, but also you need obstacle detection to work in the world without the map because pedestrians aren't on the map. Bicyclists aren't on the map. Obstacles, uh, cars parked on highways which has been a huge problem for Teslas, uh, you know, these things are unmarked. And so maps can help reduce the uncertainty, but if there's any change in the environment um, that cannot be put on that map, then it causes significant problems. I would imagine so. And the, the dynamics of a roadway or a highway change second by second, and they're never repeated. So even if the car learned what to do with a situation that occurred a second ago, it's not likely to see that repeated. So is it knowledge 
or is it anticipation and understanding that the car is using to operate on the highway? Well, it's none of the above. It's called a, a probabilistic prior, right? I mean, this is it's 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 computing. I know it's it's computing a statistical probabilistic prediction. That's what when we say expectation for a car, the map forms an expectation for a car of what it thinks of where it thinks it is and what it thinks it might see next. So it helps narrow, it reduces the probability space, um, and it also helps the car know where to look. So if it thinks there's a stop sign coming up to the right, the sensors can call on that library of images that of what a stop sign should look like that angle. In a lot of cases, they will actually have pictures of the actual stop sign. And so there can be some pattern matching, matching from the images to make sure you're, you're where you should be. So, I mean, that's fine. And uh, there are a lot of systems, a lot of military weapon systems work the exact same way. So it's not that we don't know how to do this, but the difference between military weapon systems and driverless cars are, you know, military weapon systems are working in wartime theaters and with a set of images that, that you know, they, they hook on to these priors, you know, things in the environment that wouldn't change, a river, a mountain, those kinds of things, as opposed to trying to triangulate in an urban environment with lots of cars and lots of bikes and lots of people who are moving around at any given time. And it's not the same hour to hour and it's not the same day to day. There's a video on YouTube. It's produced by one of the familiar autonomous truck companies. It shows a from-the-cab view of the truck making a left turn. From the camera's vantage point, it looks to me like the truck cuts in front of an approaching car. Because of the focal length of the lens, it's a little bit difficult to know precisely how close the car was to the intersection when the truck began the maneuver. But if the camera and the cab could see the car, then presumably the LiDAR could too, and the safety driver. I would have thought that system and or the safety driver would have stopped the truck out of an abundance of caution. Now, I know you didn't see it and probably can't answer the question conclusively, but do you have any idea why the AI didn't respond to the approaching car and stop the truck? Well, you know, it's funny because that exact same scenario is a case um, where uh, a Tesla um, went under the truck, under a um, semi-truck in um, Florida and killed the driver. That's when the driver was watching the the movie. Well, well, no, no, this was actually, well, there there was another one. one, That was the first one, but then there was a second one also in Florida that happened at twilight. Well, actually not twilight, dusk. It was first thing in the morning. The trucker was pulling across a road to, to make a left turn. So he was pulling across, um, you know, one direction of travel to make a left turn on the, in the opposite direction. And he saw the headlights in, in the distance and he just thought the car was further than it was. And that's why he pulled out in front of the Tesla and um, the person was, we actually don't know what that, what that driver was doing. He wasn't watching a video. He wasn't on a cell phone. Um, he may have fallen asleep. It was early in the morning. It, mm-hmm. It's very possible. So um, in that case, this is actually the one time where, in theory, technology should be better than us, right? So the sensors on the, on the, but the sensors on the Tesla missed the truck. That's why it hit it broadside, because it only had its radar and computer vision. And the computer vision system could not pick out the truck against the dusky background. Mm -hmm. Um, And the car didn't have LIDAR. So if the car had LIDAR, it would have picked the truck truck up. So that's actually what a good illustration of LIDAR can be really good for obstacle detection. So in in the example that you're talking about, 
you know, I don't know for sure because I didn't see it, but either the either the, it did not have LIDAR or something was wrong with the LIDAR and it might have been under one of these conditions where the LIDAR um, was, there was moisture in the air, so it destroyed the LIDAR image. These are all um, serious problems for all of the sensors, for the radar, for the LIDAR, for um, any kind of camera. So if your sensors aren't completely clean, then you also have other issues, which has actually spawned a new industry of people trying to figure out how to develop little windshield wipers with tiny little sensors, you know, and you're going to need it. Well, what happens if you just hit a great big fat June bug? Does, does that like, bring the um, well, truck to its then, knees? Then it's, that's, I mean, that's part, if your camera vision system gets a bug on it, it's not going to work right. So that's basically so, the end of the trip until somebody comes out to clean the bug off the sensor. Well, you know, what's, what's funny to me is people want this to work so badly that they're really working hard to try to change the world. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, every 50 miles, you're going to have to go through a car wash or what's that, what's that going <laughs> to look like? Or maybe, maybe we'll have mobile car wash services that as you're driving down the interstate, they'll pull up next to you and kind of give you a good bath while you're moving. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm only half kidding there too, because in, indeed, new technologies, new inventions, they spur new innovation. And so I'm all for it. Uh, I'm a technologist. I'm a roboticist. I'm very pro-technology, but I'm also pro-safe applications of technology. And I've been very outspoken about autonomous vehicles because I know they're not going to work. I've known that they're not going to work for a long time. And, you know, for for the first few years, I kept my mouth shut because I eventually thought the all the hoopla would die down. But then when Elaine Hertzberg got killed, you know, I started to get much more vocal about it because I have been saying these things in public for a long time. And, you know, we need to start taking this seriously that the cars, it's a good future technology, but we really don't know what we're doing yet. And until we do, we can't start putting these things in the public without safety drivers in them. Well, we've got safety drivers now as that collision that I explained to you earlier illustrates, uh, they're not to be all and end all either. They can still oh, make correct. mistakes. What I don't know how familiar you are with the commercial trucking scene right now, but there's basically two or three companies that are moving ahead pretty aggressively with uh, autonomous vehicle programs, again, all with safety mm-hmm. drivers. Uh, but at the same time, we have the traditional truck manufacturers sitting on the sidelines, more or less. Um, my perception, my guess is that they're a little more risk-averse to some of these startups than some of these startups maybe keeping their powder dry until they're sure of the technology they're developing. Do you think some of those early ones are going out too soon? Well, you know, I'm not sure who you you have in mind. So for example, Starsky has gone bankrupt, right? So they're done. I've spoken with Stefan. Interesting fellow. And he's a great guy and I really applaud him. You know, he's, he's a very plain speaker like me and, he was, I think he ended up failing because he's too good of a person because I don't think he was willing to lie to his investors. And I, and I mean, and I'm sorry to call people liars, but that's what they're doing. I mean, it, it used to be hopeful vanity a few years ago, but after the Elaine Hertzberg um, uh, death, we need to, we need to be clear. What is a lie and what is maybe a wild promise, but you know, Starsky, Starsky had to fail because it just couldn't keep it up. Starsky was the first honest company to come along and just admit it. Uh, I know the is out there and, 
you know, the CEO is very um, passionate about what he's doing. And, and I'm not, I'm not in this to ruin people's lives, but uh, you know, I, if he were to call me up, I'd be like, I don't believe you. I don't believe it. I don't believe it because I have yet to see one company actually do this correctly um, with passenger cars. And I think what's particularly alarming about uh, trucks, and by the way, I come from a truck driving family. I grew up riding around with my uncle and dad in trucks when I was a kid. Um, I, you know, I know that trucking world. I come from the trucking world. And when you, when you have a truck going down the interstate at 70 miles an hour uh, and something goes wrong, you don't have the ability, you don't have any agility. Uh, it's kind of like a big ship, man. You can't turn that thing on a dime. If you're not ahead of the game, 10 seconds in front of you, it's going to be too late. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think, I think trucks represent a, a significant step up in lethality for these um, autonomous vehicles. And I'm very, very uh, reluctant to, you know, say that there's any chance that that's going to happen until these perception problems are fully addressed. And that was, so let's go back to the vision test that I've been advocating. If we know that the perception systems of these cars are deeply flawed, and we know that we've seen many, many examples, not just from the Elaine Hertzberg, but Tesla is giving us almost monthly examples of what not to do, uh, then we have a good idea that these systems are flawed, so we should do the right thing and develop a series of, I, I would say, static tests first, like to be able to show a vision system, a series of pictures, um, just to, as a gateway, like can it handle some tough problems? Does it see a stop sign with half inch of snow? Does it see a stop sign with the three quarters of inch of snow? What does it see when it sees a stop sign with the tree branch in front of it? I mean, these are all typical kinds of um, real world scenarios that the system must see. And then once it passes a static vision test, which could be relatively cheap and easy to administer, then you would take it to a, an outdoor setting, close test track and put it through a series of tests. I'm Jim Park, and you're listening to an HTT Talks Trucking Special Report on Autonomous Trucks, featuring Mary Missy Cummings, a roboticist and a professor at Duke University's Pratt School of Engineering. Still to come in the second half, Missy Cummings explains how artificial intelligence manages the politics of driving and whether driverless trucks really are a solution to our labor problems. You can also listen to our interview with Starsky Robotics founder Stefan Steltz-Oxmacher. It's from Season 3. If you're liking what you hear on HTT Talks Trucking, give us a like and subscribe to the podcast. If you have a question or a comment, or there's something you'd like us to cover on HTT Talks Trucking, drop me an email at jpark at truckinginfo.com. We'll be back with Missy Cummings right after this. Forward 2020 features a great lineup of talent and topics developed by the people you trust for fleet insight and best practices. Topics include transforming your relationship with your utility company from foe to friend and how to plan for fleet electrification while keeping your sanity. Fleet Forward 2020 is online and totally virtual this year, November 9th through the 13th. Register now at fleetforwardconference.com. One of the things I was wondering about I call it the politics of driving. When you're driving your car down any freeway, 
you're jostling positions with other cars, you're sending them messages, you want to make a lane change, you put your turn signal on, the person doesn't respond, so you sort of edge over a little bit, kind of say, I'm, hey, I'm coming over. What's the truck going to do? Do they think their way through those scenarios like a human driver would, or do they just full speed ahead because that's what the program tells them to do? Uh, well, you know, I mean, it, it kind of depends on what the, what's in the, in the cars, you know, the, the, the different version of the cars and what the manufacturers are doing, you know, um, Tesla's can handle some aggressive behaviors by drivers. Um, as long as the sensors can see them, the cars, uh, Tesla's in particular, um, and I know Cadillac is really coming along. They can all, they all do a pretty good job in um, handling aggressive drivers if they can see them. The, in cars in general, AVs are uh, pretty laid back. Uh, but, and this is the but, that's understanding that the sensors um, can see it. I think that one of the big questions, and this has been the case for Tesla and many other cars and also humans is the case that we call the reveal. So we've all been there where you're following somebody on the interstate really closely and you're all moving along. And then all of a sudden the truck in front of you moves out, move, jumps in the lane to the left. And all of a sudden you see that the reason he did that is because there's a stop car on the interstate and you've got, and you have to do the same thing and hopefully there's room mm -hmm. or you sign your brakes. So the sudden reveal is a huge problem for people, but it's a bigger problem for the sensors because if the sensors get a sudden reveal and it does to, you know, and depending on the lighting and weather conditions, the sensors may not be able to recognize that in time. And this has been the case for people ramming into the back ends of things um, on uh, in Tesla's in particular, you know, the reveal can be deadly. And so, you know, I am, I am, again, I, I am less concerned about the situations that seem troubling, you know, to your average driver. What about aggressive drivers? What about cars um, zigzagging and changing lanes? Those kinds of behaviors. Those are actually pretty, pretty straightforward for the automation. It's when the sensors don't have time to gather the information about the world to make a decision. That's when I'm, I'm really concerned. Is it likely or possible that the trucks themselves or cars uh, could become aggressive in their own way in, in trying to uh, claim their space on the road? Uh, does the deep learning allow them to, uh, to develop those personalities, if you will, for the lack of a better word, that human drivers have? Well, it's, that's a great question because um, there there are many cases in cars where, like in, in Tesla, you can actually dial in your level of aggression. There's actually a case when you want to do your following distance. You can actually pick from one to seven. Do I want to be one, a granny, or do I want to be seven, a super aggressive fighter pilot? Um, I think at the highest level of aggression in a Tesla on a highway at like 75 miles an hour, you can follow a car and there's, and the car will set about a second distance, um, nose to tail following. That's pretty close. It is. That gives you no time to screw up. So I think this idea of trying to create personalities for cars, look, 
artificial general intelligence is not here. It's not going to be here. You're not, you're not, you definitely are not going to have to worry about your, your lifetime. I won't either. My daughter won't either. Artificial general intelligence, the idea of creating personalities for cars, it's not going to happen. This, I, this idea of aggression in cars, it all comes down to numbers, following distances, speeds, um, how much room would you leave between, if you're going to uh, get in between two cars, the cars can assess that far better than humans can. I, I don't want to admit this, um, but I'm going to just for a good illustration. You know, I'm a control freak. I was a single seat fighter pilot in the military. Um, I like to do everything by myself, but I have, and I'm a great parallel parker. Great. <laughs> Except I've had to admit, well, maybe my automated parallel park capability and my little Ford Escape is better than I am. It's certainly more consistent. And, and you know, I will use it, you know, one out of 10 times, I'll have to turn it off because it didn't get it right and do it myself. Uh, but, you know, it can see us, it can get me, I, I've tested it and it can get me into spots that I would have otherwise passed by. And, you know, I think we, and we, my car and I form a collaboration. Look, I take the parking when it's too difficult for the car and the car can get me into spots that maybe I wouldn't recognize that I could get into. I think it's a nice partnership. And I think, I think more automotive manufacturers should look at the more partnering collaboration between driver and human, as opposed to replacing a human. Well, in trucking, the, the, the conversation goes, autonomous trucks are going to save the industry because we don't have any more truck drivers. And the comment you hear is safety, efficiency, and cost. Uh, cost comes from the reduction in labor cost. Uh, the truck can now run 20 hours a day, 22 hours a day, whereas a human can basically operate uh, 11 or 12 hours a day. So how far are we from actually taking safety drivers out of commercial vehicles, do you think? Well, um, you know, having been part of the trucking industry and then as an adult in my research life, you know, studying um, trucking and all the human factors that go with it, I will tell you that fatigue is a huge problem. And um, that, that alone having some automation to help drivers through fatigue, I think that's where we should really be focusing some near-term efforts as to how to make sure um, that if drivers do fall asleep, we know how to detect when they're falling asleep, but how to actually actuate and take control. I think we need to do that and maybe pull trucks over to the side of the road. It would mm -hmm. be nice to see that um, initial baby step to aid drivers right now, uh, because the, the problem is that, we can't actuate under all conditions yet. And, and again, that's just part of the problems with the, the lack of perception uh, flexibility across all these numerous scenarios. So um, I, I do agree that we need more truck drivers. Uh, first of all, I would tell the trucking companies, there are a lot of women out there. You should not ignore them. Women make great truck drivers. We've been trying they to drag them in. They won't come. <laughs> Well, but they don't know. And I think they also get intimidated. And I think, you know, having, ha you know, having been a former fighter pilot, what I tell people is, look, I was a heavy equipment operator myself at one point. And I think that women and the and there are lots of women truck drivers. And one of the things you'll hear from them are women are, I think, just as a general rule, more cautious. They're less you know, they, they don't feel the need to try to attempt manly moves 
in the trucks. Um, I think that they're more, I, I think that they're probably more likely to admit when they're tired and maybe want to pull over. So there are a lot of reasons why women, I think, would be great truck drivers in, in much greater numbers than there are today. But even looking further on, I, I think in the Missy Cummings perfect world of the future, if we could get all these problems with driverless cars fixed, my perfect vision would be that trucks would go autonomous across the major arterials, 40, 10, 70, 5, 95, right? So, um, and uh, because trucking is hard on the body, it's hard on families. I myself know that, you know, um, having lived through, through the life of a trucker. So I think it would be better for everyone um, if truckers did the last mile, or if you want to call it like the last 50 miles of a delivery, there is no way in heck I would let a truck, an autonomous truck navigate some of the roads in um, East Tennessee, uh, no. you know, in the mountains. No, definitely right? not. This, this is where you definitely need humans. You need, and they, you need very highly skilled humans to do these jobs. So I think, I think it would be better way in the future for human truckers, we're still going to need lots of them to do these last mile or last 50 mile deliveries. But I do think the tedious, monotonous highway driving, it would be great if we could get rid of that. The problem is we can't do it safely and we're nowhere near doing it safely right now. Should the autonomous truck developers be using women's brains as the model for their <laughs> driving algorithms? <laughs> Of course. Well, I'm going to, in my quest for world domination, I'm going to tell you, yes, uh, we should all be running the show. If you think there are no women in the trucking world, there are uh, far, far, far fewer women in Silicon Valley. So you've got the worst of both worlds in combining trucking and Silicon Valley. Now there's definitely no women around. Missy, that was fantastic. What a great interview. I hope so. Your frankness was amazing. I, I thank you for that. Plan to attend the virtual edition of Fleet Forward 2020. Because of the travel restrictions and budget cuts brought on by the pandemic, we've moved Fleet Forward 2020 online. The conference takes place over five mornings, November 9th through the 13th. Just pick a session and log in. To view the full agenda and to register, visit fleetforwardconference.com today. We've been speaking with Missy Cummings, She's a former Navy fighter pilot and the director of Duke University's Humans and Autonomy Laboratory. She says she's 100% behind robotic trucks in the long term, but warns that significant work remains in developing perception systems that are reliable, robust, and safe. We have more on autonomous trucks in this series of special reports, including an interview with the head of Waymo's driverless truck business, Vijay Patnayak. And from season two, an interview with autonomous vehicles advocate, Richard Bishop. If you're new to the podcast, please subscribe so you won't miss an episode and hit that like button while you're at it. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine is published by Bobbitt Business Media. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening.